joining us. I want to encourage you now, go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 6. And as you can see on the screen also, 1 Corinthians 15 uh, this morning in uh, what's going to be a a standalone message uh, this week as we'll start a new series, Training for Godliness, uh, Lord willing, next week and take us through the rest of the month of September. But for tomorrow, you know, we celebrate Labor Day, a day in which many of you will be able to have the day off. And I want to encourage you, spend time with friends and family, enjoy that time uh, together. But we need to understand and redeem our time, as Paul would tell us in other places, and to remember who we are working for and, and that we are to work with a purpose. That our job is not just for us, but it's for the glory of God and to reach others. On the 5th of June in 1940, not even a month after he became prime minister, Winston Churchill uh, spoke to the British people to try to encourage them in the fight uh, that they were engaged in. Now, we need to bear in mind that this, in September of the previous year, the Nazis had invaded Poland with no effective resistance. Thereafter, with swift and sudden violence, Norway, Belgium, and the Netherlands all fell to Nazi imperialism. And now, just a few days earlier than this address, France had also collapsed with thousands of British troops having to be evacuated from Dunkirk. It must have seemed to many of the British that there was nothing that could stand in the way of Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany's destruction of Europe. And so Mr. Churchill goes and he gives a speech to the people. And in this strong speech, he reminds them that their resolve must be strong, that they must not give up. He would say things such as victory at all costs, victory in spite of all terror, victory however long and hard the the road may be. For without victory, there is no survival. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and the oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Churchill's words that day are very reflective of another defiant person. This being the Apostle Paul, as we're going to see in our text, because he would write things such as, we will reap at the harvest time if we do not give up. We must never surrender. If we do not give up, then victory is certain. These two men are saying something about the power of persistence. They are speaking about the value of having a common goal and working towards that goal no matter how long and difficult it may be. In short, the Apostle Paul is talking about being a disciple who makes disciples. The one big thing this morning is very simply this, that to be a disciple who makes disciples 
It requires hard work and a steadfast dependence on God. Let's look at it together in our text. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 is where I'm going to start. And if you're able, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's word? It says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now flipping over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And reading the 58th verse, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. And now, God, I ask that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Two verses that are going to lay out for us what it means to work with a purpose and how to be successful in doing it. Again, it's worth noting that the one big thing this morning, if you get nothing else out of the next 30 to 40 minutes, we want to understand that to be a disciple who makes disciples, it requires hard work and a steadfast dependence on God. So what is the process of making disciples? Well, in this text, we're going to dive into the theological realm of things. There is a lot of fighting within churches, especially within Southern Baptist Convention right now, about salvation. Is salvation all about what God does and His sovereignty? Or is it about what man does? The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, was once asked, how do you reconcile God's sovereignty with man's free will, their ability to choose? His response is this, you don't need to reconcile two friends because they are two sides of the same coin. What I want us to see this morning is very simply this, that God is sovereign. God is in control. That salvation is the plan accomplished through the purposes of Him. But you and I have a responsibility as well. That we must respond in faith to God's grace. And what we're going to see here is as we become a disciple who makes disciples, we must trust that God is in control and He knows what He's doing But we must also be active in doing what God has told us to do. So we're going to see that in both of our texts here. So let's begin to walk through it. The process of making disciples, we're going to begin with talking about man's role. See, Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 10 is really speaking of our work of making disciples. It's what Jesus commanded us to do. It is, in fact, the only thing that God commanded the church and gave his express authority to do. Matthew 28, he said, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. This is known as the Great Commission. It is the marching orders for the church. 
It is what you and I, as believers, as part of the church, it is what we are to actively engage in every single day. Now, God knew that making disciples was going to be hard work. That's why he gives two negative commands here in Galatians 6. He says that we are not to grow weary and we are to not faint. That is, we don't want to get worn out to the point that we give up. These words weary and faint indicate that the work that you and I are going to be engaged in is long, it's hard, and it's tedious. And we must reject the world's mentality. See, the world's mentality is based on a business model of what have you done for me lately? And oftentimes churches are falling into this business model of what have you done for me lately? What are the results that you are getting? However, what we need to understand is that business model is foreign to Scripture. Jesus nowhere in the New Testament told us to draw a crowd. Now, if we're really honest, we could make a few changes, do things a little different, and we could draw a crowd. But God never told us to do that. God never told us to build big buildings or additional buildings. He never told us to have a large gathering of people. He didn't tell us even to have all these various ministries. What he told us to do is make disciples. And we must understand that the results of discipleship are not going to be immediately seen. If What you're looking for is something that is easy to do, that has immediate results. Then you will never be a disciple that makes disciples. You will fall in large part in line with this modern concept of church. See, the modern concept of church says, well, it's a building I go to where I I sing a few songs. I hear somebody talk to me. For 30, 45 minutes, maybe longer. I mentally agree with what is being said, but I change my life in no way, shape, or form to align with what is being said. Then we sing one final song called The Invitation, and then we go home. That is what we have reduced church to. But this is not what church is according to the New Testament. See, the church is not the physical building you and I sit in. The church is the body of believers who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who have demonstrated that publicly by being baptized and are giving further witness to our decision by being obedient to Jesus. That's the church. And this is what we must strive for. But the thing is, that's not always pretty. Because the church is calling out those who have been lost in sin and calling them to follow Jesus Christ and to become obedient to Him. And old habits die hard, right? Ministry is messy. 
And this is what we must understand. See, we need to define what a disciple is if we're going to know what we're supposed to be making. Well, we're going to define it this way. A disciple is someone who learns of Jesus, which means somebody's got to go tell them about who Jesus is. A disciple is somebody who has a relationship with Jesus that is based solely on what God did for them. A disciple learns from Jesus, that is, they spend time in his word, and then they go out and they do what Jesus did. You learn from him or learn of him. By grace, through faith, you surrender to a relationship. You learn about him and then you do what he has done. This is the definition of what a disciple is. So let me ask this question as we really get going this morning. Based on those four things, can you genuinely say you are a disciple of Jesus? I'm not saying, are you a fan of Jesus? I'm saying, are you a follower of Jesus? That's how we know we're part of the church. That's how we know that we're a disciple. And as a result, we're going to seek to make disciples. Seeing being a disciple who makes disciples is a lot like being a good spouse in a strong marriage. It begins with you being the man or the woman of God that you're called to be. It then goes to you do what you're supposed to do. And here's the kick. Regardless of what your spouse does. And then, even when you're the man and the woman you're supposed to be, even when you're doing the things that you're supposed to do, marriage is hard work. It is getting two imperfect people into this perfect relationship with God and with one another. And this is exactly why so many people bail on marriage or don't get married in the first place. Because they're not willing to put in the time, energy, and effort it's going to take. But it's also why so many Christians never grow in their faith with God. Because if you're going to grow in your walk with God, you're going to have to put in time. It's going to take a lot of energy. And it's going to require a lot of effort to do it. Growing more like Jesus isn't just going to happen. You're going to have to intentionally Train and discipline yourself to do this. It's so much easier, though, for us to come into a building, to sing a few songs, to have somebody tell us what to believe. But my job as your shepherd, as your pastor, is not just to tell you this is what you ought to believe and why. Part of my job is to teach you how to feed yourself the Word of God and how to take ownership of your own spiritual growth. Because if you depend on somebody else, whether it's me or somebody else, if you depend on them, what happens when they're no longer here? Hey, let's be really honest, okay? If all of a sudden any of you come walking into this building this morning... And your breakfast was drinking it out of a bottle. That'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Like, if all of a sudden you got one of those little 
even flow baby bottles and you've got milk, that'd be a little strange. Why? Because you're more than two years old. Then why do we settle for spiritual infancy? Why don't we desire to grow in our walk with God? I promise you the benefits are worth it. But you can't take my word for it. You have to to for yourself. We have a responsibility in all of this. Yet if we're going to be a disciple who makes disciples, which is God's calling on our life, then we got to put the work in. And one hour a week isn't enough. You're going to have to put in hours a day. The question is, do you want it bad enough? Are you really convinced that Jesus Christ is worth your heart, your life, and everything about you? Are you convinced that following Jesus is what you're supposed to do? Then in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us three positive characteristics of a disciple who makes disciples. First, he says that we must be steadfast. To be steadfast means to be firm or settled. Much like a house, the the foundation settles into the ground. We must be confident in what we believe. What we believe must be found in Scripture. Then Paul says that we need to be unmovable, which means firm and persistent. And then he says that we must always be abounding in the work of the Lord. And this phrase means that we're always increasing in our work for the Lord. We're always gaining ground. We're always moving forward. The life of a Christian is never one of standing still, And it is never of retreating. Because you cannot go with God and stay where you are. Going with God requires us to put one foot in front of the other in complete trust and dependence on God and a firm dependence on the truthfulness of His Word. Paul is saying that if we're going to be a disciple then we're going to have to know what we believe. We're going to have to know why we believe it. We're going to have to know what our call is. And then we've got to be persistent in it. That we never give ground. That when we have a sinful thought, we immediately confess it. That when we say something that we shouldn't, we confess it. Then we do something when we know we're not supposed to, we're confessing it. We're never given ourselves the ability to say, that's okay, that's not a big deal. We're always understanding that sin is a very big deal to God. And we're always going to understand that the highest calling on my life is to please God. You know one of the most freeing statements I can give you this morning? Here it is. Your job is not to please your spouse. It is not to please your children, your boss, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher. Your job is to please one person, God. Man, that will like let the stress roll off you right there. Because so many times we spend so much time trying to please everybody else. We try to think, okay, how can I make that person happy, that person happy, this person happy? Please get off that hamster wheel. Because you're running hard. 
And when you stop, you get off the same place you got on. Our job is to please God. This is our role. This is our responsibility. And as we persevere in the hard work of being a disciple that make disciples, listen to God's promises, which is number two in our text here. God's promises, there are two of them. The first one's in Galatians 6, 9. Paul says that if we don't grow weary and we do not faint, then in due season, we will reap the rewards of our work for the Lord. You and I as disciples of the Lord are called to use our God-given abilities to the glory of God for the good of others. But we need to remember something. Here's the other side of that coin. The results are up to God. There in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, I himself, Paul planted. It was Apollos who watered, but it was God who gave the increase. We like to say it this way. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can take a fool to school, but you can't make him think. Okay? Here's the thing. All you can do is what you are called to do, and that is to share the gospel with somebody and pray for them. And then it's out of your hands. And if we're being honest, not everybody's going to believe. All right, we said it last week. Let's say it again. Not everybody is God's child. Only those who have come in faith are God's children. Okay? Some are not going to believe. And that ought to break our hearts. But we cannot allow those who reject the gospel to keep us from sharing the gospel. Because God has also promised, church, that as we share, some are going to believe. It is God's plan, purpose, and will to save any who trust him. We know because John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father but by me. That there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. These are all promises from God that he's going to save people. And that needs to excite you and I. And it needs to free us up. Because maybe I go and I share the gospel with somebody and they shut me down. They don't want to listen to it. They don't care. But you know what? They're not rejecting me. Because I can't save them. They're rejecting God. So you know what I'm going to do? I want to continue to live for the glory of God. So I'm going to go to that next person. And maybe they do the same thing. Maybe you get shut down nine straight times. But now you got a choice. Will you continue to be obedient? Or will you listen to the lies of Satan and go, well, God's not using you. It's pointless. Don't do it again. Or are you going to be obedient? Because maybe that tenth time, God's been working in that person's heart. He's been drawing them and convicting them. And they're just waiting for somebody to share the gospel and for them to give their life to Christ. See, the scorecard, we need to change it. Instead of judging ourselves in our Christian walk by results of, well, I shared the gospel this many times and this many people gave their life to Christ and I got to baptize. Instead of focusing on results, let's judge the scorecard based on faithfulness. Did you do what God told you to do? 
Did you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Did you love others as yourself? Were you faithful to him? Because that's how God judges success. Because God's promises are very simple, that there is a harvest. There will be people who will be saved. But you and I don't know who they are. And furthermore, you and I can't control it. A lot of you have a garden. So let me ask you this. When you went out this early spring and you planted your seeds, you didn't do anything else. You just went out and you dropped some seeds in the ground. Did you go out the very next day and have all these wonderful vegetables? Not a chance. You had to till the soil. You had to plant. You had to water if it didn't send a whole lot of rain. You had to pull the weeds out of that garden because they would choke out the, the crops. But even if you did all of that, was there a guarantee that you were going to have a successful garden? Nope. Why? Because while you may be able to water the garden while it doesn't rain, guess what you can't control? You can't control the temperature. And temperature is important. You can't control the amount of sunshine that is given in a day. And you need sunshine. So let that garden remind you of your role, but God's promise in the work of evangelism. We do what we are called to do, and God will be faithful to his promises. This is how we reconcile God's sovereignty with man's free will. I do what God calls me to do, and he takes care of the results. So that I'm not playing this game of scorekeeping of how many people have trusted the gospel that I got to lead to Jesus. I'm just judging my success of the day based on one question. Was I faithful to God? Did I do what God told me to do today? And then we have a second promise that we continue to to see here and that's found in 1 Corinthians 15 Paul says and know this that your labor is not in vain you're not doing this for nothing that there is a purpose behind it what an encouragement for you and I to know that as long as we are faithful to God guess what he is going to be faithful to his promises that's, that's an encouragement to you and I That God is not going to abandon us. That that God is going to do what he has promised he would do for us. Because the process of being a disciple is hard. The process of making disciples is even harder. And there are going to be times in in the life of the church that you're going to think, man, it doesn't seem like God's really doing much. You're going to get discouraged. And Satan's going to attempt to discredit and distract us from our calling. And when those times come, and they will come, we simply need to remember God's promise that the work that we do for Him is not in vain. That we may not see the results of what we have done, but God does. And God will reward our faithfulness at the right time. I heard somebody say say it this way. 
getting old isn't for sissies. That's a true statement. Can I tell you? <laughs> that is a true statement. But it's also a true statement for making disciples. Uh, unfortunately, the vast majority of people who go to church today will never strive to lead one person to Christ. I want us to feel the weight of that for a moment. And I want us to ask ourselves a question. Am I going to be that one? Am I going to be the person who just passively goes to church and does bare minimum and go home? Or am I going to be faithful to God? If we're going to be faithful to God, then we've got to do three things. You'll see them on the bottom of your outline. Here's your application. The first one is this. We've got to pray more. Pastor and theologian A.J. Gordon said, You can do more than pray after you have prayed. But you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. The most important thing that you and I can do is pray. Because making disciples is a spiritual battle. And there's a spiritual war that is constantly occurring, as Paul says in Ephesians 6. And there, there's two weapons that we have to have as Christians. The first one, it must be the weapon of prayer. It's the most effective weapon you can ever have. There's no greater gift, we said on Wednesday, there's no greater gift you can give to somebody than to pray for them. And the second weapon you need is your sword. If you're not on your knees and you're not in God's word, you will not succeed in this battle. Satan will run all over you. We've got to pray more. The second thing is, it goes right along with this understanding of weaponry. we got to study the Bible more. From time to time, I come across a person, they'll, they'll come to, to me and they'll ask something or, or make a statement similar to this. Pastor, I used to hear from God a lot, but I haven't heard from him in a while. Any idea why? And when they ask that question, I always give them the exact same question right back. Here's the question. How much time are you spending in the Word? You can't complain about not hearing from God with a closed Bible on the nightstand. Because the number one way that God speaks to His children is through His Word. If you want to know God, you want to know what's on His heart, what's on His mind, you want to know what God wants you to do, get into His Word. I mean, this is as important as anything. See, some people faint because they're prayerless. Others faint because they're malnourished. Reminded of Jesus' temptation there in Matthew 4. Jesus has been fasting and praying for 40 days. Satan comes to him says, If you're really the Son of Man, command these stones to become bread. How did Jesus overcome it? By quoting Scripture. By, by quoting out of Deuteronomy. When he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. Oh Lord. Jesus was saying 
that the spiritual food of reading Scripture is more important than the physical food you're about to put in your body in about 30 minutes. By studying the Bible, we see we're not alone. You're going to get discouraged, Christian, because it's hard. But then all of a sudden you you start reading in Scripture and you realize that many of God's prophets, they worked really hard. And they told God's message to people. And they were ignored, they were persecuted, they were thrown in jail, they were beaten, and many of them were killed. But you see that they did it in faithfulness to God and how God rewarded them. So when you feel like giving up or slacking off, reach for the word. Allow Scripture to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Because Satan wants to tell you, slow down. Satan wants to tell you, it's not that big of a deal. God's going, no, this is a really big deal. We need to do it. A couple weeks ago, we started a a large survey on discipleship. We started it here, and now it's gone out to uh, just churches. So we're focusing right now on people who go to church. And one thing really stood out to me, and it's why I want to harp on this for a moment. Out of the responses of all the churches so far, 30% of the people said, I read my Bible zero or one time a week. Now I want you to imagine, if you only ate one meal for this entire week, How strong are you going to be tonight, let alone Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday? We've got to get in the Word until the Word gets in us. And we're going to talk about what that means, Lord willing, in a couple weeks. But I want to encourage you, if that's where you're at, you're going, you know what? I didn't pick up my Bible all last week. Listen, I'm not saying this to condemn you. I want to encourage you right now. Okay, because as Paul says in Philippians 3, forgetting those things which are behind me, I press forward. I press on to the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. This is what I want you to do. I want you to make a plan this afternoon. Talk with it. Talk about it with somebody. And say, you know what? I want to be in the Word more this week. You need help finding a a Bible reading plan, something like that. Please see me. Okay, we want to help you however we possibly can. But the key to being faithful and to growing in our walk with God is praying more and being in the Word more. And then finally, the only way that we're not going to wear out and give up is to remember who we're working for. Being a disciple isn't going to be easy. If you're simply doing it for yourself to check off a box on a spiritual to-do list or the praise of others, it's going to be impossible. You do it for the glory of God. He promises he's going to give you strength. He says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's what he says in Isaiah 40. But even when we do it the right way for the right reasons, we're going to struggle. And the struggle, it's going to lead to some people thinking that we're foolish. Some people are going to walk away because they're not seeing the results that they thought.
thought they would see. But ultimately, the way that you persevere through difficult times is to remember, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm not trying to please a pastor. I'm not trying to please a church member. I'm not trying to please a spouse or a kid. I am striving to please the Lord in everything I do. And he sees the faithfulness. And he sees the hard work. And he has promised to reward it in his time. When you make your life about pleasing God and wanting to honor Him, He's going to give you the strength to endure these difficult times. But you've got to live for the right reason, and you've got to do it the right way. And so as our time is drawing to a close together, I've got to ask you a very important question. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Not are you a fan of Him. Not do you know of Him. Are you a disciple? Do you have a relationship with him? Because if not, that's where you've got to start. You can't run a race starting halfway through it. You've got to start the starting line. And that is coming to the place where you confess that you are a sinner who God would be right to condemn and consign you to eternity in hell. He would be right in doing that. But then you come to understand that he loves you so much that rather than doing that, which we deserve, he sent his son to die in your place so that you could have a relationship with him. That's where you got to start. If you're a disciple, are you striving to make disciples? Who are you pouring into? Who are you reading the Bible with? Who are you praying with? Who are you trying to? to reach if you're not that's where you need to start this morning simple prayer something along the lines of Father would you just show me who I need to be pouring into who do I need to be discipling maybe you started it but you gave up because it was hard and you weren't seeing the results Confess that sin. Ask God to give you strength to be faithful to Him. And He'll do it. The point this morning is very simple. Whatever God is asking us to do, let us be faithful to Him to do it. Because we don't want to have come here for the last hour for nothing. Would you stand with me as we're going to pray this morning? Father God, we thank you for the opportunity just to come and to worship you and to know you more. And God, we know that we know you more because we read your word. And as we read your word, God, you strengthen us and you encourage us. And yes, you even convict us of the sin that is in our life. And Father, I'm not sure what you may have said to those in here today. But God, I know that you do speak and you do reveal yourself to us so Father I pray that over these next few minutes we would just simply respond to you that we're not trying to earn the praise or the attention of somebody else we're just striving to please you and trying to live for you and so Father whatever sin is keeping us from doing that 
God, I pray that we would confess it this morning and lay it down. That we would live for you. Father, for that soul, those souls that have never come to faith in you. God, I pray that right now, this morning, they would see their need for you. That on their own, they can never get to heaven. They can never be good enough. But Jesus died in their place. And so as they place their faith in him, Jesus makes them good enough. He forgives us of all of our sins. And we become a son or a daughter of the Almighty God. And for that Christian who is here, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. That you would help them. Whatever fight they're fighting right now, Lord, help them not to fight it in their own strength and power, but God, just to lay it down for you. And Lord, that we wouldn't get into this competitive game of looking at everybody else, but that we would simply ask, God, am I being faithful to you? Am I doing what you've asked me to do? Am I the man, am I the woman I'm supposed to be? Am I the husband, the wife, the mother, the father? Am I being the disciple of Jesus? If not, God, would we just lay down and confess that sin to you, knowing that you have fully and freely forgiven us and knowing that you have given your spirit to help us. Move in this place, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing together one final song. And if you need to respond,